0: Hi everybody, this is Ruta Lee, and you're listening to TV Confidential. From Marksfield near Riverside, California,
1: the Pepsodent Show starring Bob Holt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. How do you do? How do you do, ladies and gentlemen?
0: This is Bob Army Hope, telling you, soldiers, whether you're generals or top sergeants, if you use pepsinates, your teeth will never be loose tenants.
1: Ed Robertson with a reminder that we'll continue our look behind the scenes of the Jeffersons with writer-producer Jane Moriarty later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, as most of you know, calendar year 2020 marked the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, and while current events And the pandemic prevented many of us from marking that occasion last year. Life has given us a second chance this year because calendar year 2021 marks the 80th anniversary of Bob Hope's first show for U.S. troops, which he gave at March Field, a military base in Riverside, California, on Tuesday, May 6, 1941. By some estimates, more than 2,000 soldiers crammed inside the gymnasium at March Field, to watch Bob Hope perform his weekly radio show. When the U.S. entered World War II, six months later, on December 7, 1941, Bob Hope wanted to do his part, which he did, by traveling thousands and thousands of miles to military bases and military hospitals all over the world, performing before our troops and providing laughter and a crucial link to home for soldiers and their families. Not only that, Hope received thousands and thousands of letters from our soldiers every day and answered as many as he could. Joining us now is Martha Bolton. Martha was not only the first female staff writer hired by Bob Hope, she helped write Hope's TV shows, personal appearances, and military appearances during the last 15 years of Bob Hope's performing career. Martha Bolton is also the co-author, along with Bob Hope's daughter, Linda Hope, of a new book, called Dear Bob, that shares many of these World War II letters that soldiers wrote to Bob Hope for the very first time. We'll tell you more about Dear Bob in just a second. But first, we began our conversation by telling Martha... What I love about Dear Bob is that the way you and Linda put it together, not only is it like a scrapbook, but it makes us feel like this is one of Bob's scrapbooks. That's how personal it is.
0: Well, that that was our goal, so it's very encouraging to know that 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 is what you feel because that is that was the goal it was we wanted to put people in those times and let them know what it was like and then also uh, really reveal Bob's heart and the connection between him and the GIs and you know the why we all knew that they were connected you could see it every time a veteran would be at the show or how he would interact with them wherever we were at so you knew that there was a, a strong connection but until I read these letters, I had no idea of the depth of that connection, and it was pretty remarkable.
1: And I understand that in a lot of ways we have Linda to thank for this book because if it were not for her discovering that stack of letters on the shelf in his office, none of this may have happened.
0: Well, yeah, and, and not only Linda, but also the secretary... That had the foresight to know the historical significance of these letters, and kept Bob's responses to them on, on the old fashioned carbon copy onion skin paper. Uh, so we had all of that. So it's just a treasure trove of history, and we're just so thrilled to be able to uh, put it out and let. The
1: Bob Hope received thousands of letters from our soldiers every day during World War II. He answered as many as he could. Martha Bolton, Bob Hope's first female staff writer, she is the co-author, along with Bob's daughter, Linda Hope, of Dear Bob, Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, a collection of some of the many, just some of the many letters that Bob Hope received from our soldiers during World War II. Dear Bob available through University Press of Mississippi, as well as Amazon.com. For more information about the book, go to bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Moore. How hard was it? I mean, I can't imagine this was easy. So how hard was it for you and Linda to pare down this treasure trove of letters and responses from Bob Hope, as well as all the various memorabilia that you captured in Dear Bob.
0: Well it was extremely hard as you can imagine because number one there were thousands of them and to decide which ones would go into the book it required more than uh, just whether they moved us or or whether they were funny we wanted to have the divisions not necessarily chronologically but emotionally Uh, we wanted to have the divisions like uh, I'm missing my mom. I Tell my sweetheart I'm missing her. How, how about it? Words aren't enough. The beaches look better than, in the brochure. Uh, and it was about the complaints. We wanted the ones that had complaints and uh, the ones that were lonely, the ones that were, uh, you know, I won't be home for Christmas. So there's a section of that. So it's divided in that way so that letter after letter talks about their mother. Letter after letter talks about Christmas and uh, we wanted that feel, and then, you know, finding uh, the artifacts and getting uh, pictures of those to include, and, and his personal artifacts, and, and we have his personal pictures, uh, photographs in it, and and then you just, you, you know, it could have easily been a 600 <laughs> page book, <laughs> but we, we had to cut it down, and we kept cutting it down at, you know, different lengths, and then we'd add We'd get it down and then we'd add a little more and then, it, you know, it kept fluctuating the number of pages. But what an honor to, to work on this for this great American because it shows his heart. It just shows his heart from in their own words, the GI's words and his words back to
1: them and that uh, you'll be moved. You will be moved. May six, this coming May 6 2021, marks the 80th anniversary of Bob Hope's very, very first performance before a military Audience We'll talk to uh, Martha about that in just a second. Martha Bolton was the first uh, first and only full time female staff writer that Bob Hope ever hired. She helped write hope's TV shows, personal appearances, military appearances during the last fifteen years of Bob hope's performing career. Martha also the co-author along with bob hope 's daughter. Linda Hope of Dear Bob, Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, a time capsule that reveals just how important Bob Hope's service was to the fighting men and women of World War II. It includes just a selection of the thousands upon thousands of personal letters, postcards, packages, and more that our soldiers sent to Bob Hope uh, back and forth, uh, from locations all over the world during World War II, and as many as Bob Hope's responses as possible. It really is like a personal, like, like you're reading one of Bob Hope's personal scrapbooks. You can find Dear Bob through University Press of Mississippi, as well as amazon.com for more on the book bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back And again, just to remind you that some of these letters were written in foxholes. They were not written under optimum circumstances and so in some cases soldiers had to improvise. One of my favorite letters in the book and you did your best to replicate this Martha. It was uh, o- occasionally Bob would Bob occasionally would receive letters written to him on toilet paper. <laughs>
0: And it, yeah, I, I typed it as it was typed on the Phillips paper, <laughs> where, you, where you see where it gets to the end of the line and it goes to the next one. Yeah, they wrote on that, and they wrote on paper bags, one cent of coconut with a letter written on it, his you know, note on it. It's incredible what, how they did it. And they didn't even have his address yeah. a lot of times. There was this one envelope that was uh, written, in fact, most of the times they didn't have his address, but this one envelope was written, Bob. And then in quotes, location doubtful, but probably near Hollywood, California. End of quote. Hope and that, that and it got to him. He was like uh, he was like Santa Claus. You just had, you just addressed it and and it somehow it reached him.
1: Yeah, he was like Santa Claus, and that somehow the mail reached him. But just as important, whether they saw him perform, whether he came to their base or not, or just simply listening to him on the radio every week because you know when Hope was not doing personal appearances to military bases all over the country he was still doing his very popular radio show and so there was a constant connection between Hope and the soldiers and they would write him as if they were writing their best friend didn't they?
0: Oh absolutely it was not a fan celebrity letter these are letters to your best friend your buddy your your pal and he would refer to them as his sons and daughters. Yeah, and they they would write and ask him to adopt them, <laughs> and they would they would just and write and tell him it, it, whatever they had on their heart. It just and very descriptive of the of the situations that they were facing, and they would tell him things that they wouldn't tell their own family. Pretty incredible what is written in these letters and the relationship had with Bob and they could ask him for anything and he'd move heaven and earth to get it to them so it it was just an amazing relationship and uh, respect and hearts full of gratitude from both sides from Bob and the G.I.s to him it's just a, a book full
1: of hope a book full of hope called Dear Bob Dear Bob Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the G.I.s a World War II by Martha Bolt and Linda Hope, a collection of some of the many letters that Bob Hope received from our soldiers during World War II, as well as Bob Hope's responses. Dear Bob, available through University Press of Mississippi, as well as Amazon.com for more on the book, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Moore. And if you go to bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob Moore, you will see a few clips of some of Bob's Performances during World War II, as well as audio from some of the radio shows he performed, it's it's a nice thing to listen to or watch. That kind of enhances the enjoyment experience of reading, dear Bob. It takes you back
0: to those times, and there's even uh, some audio of uh, Dolores singing as well. So that it's a, it's a nice uh, addition to the book.
1: We mentioned our open. He traveled thousands of miles. During that four or five year span to places unknown, putting his life on the line in some cases, because this is wartime and he was flying into enemy territory. And he was doing this at the prime, arguably the prime of his popularity, the prime of his movie career, the prime of his radio show. He did not have to do this. I can't imagine anyone putting aside his career to the extent he did and doing this today.
0: Oh, exactly, and not only did he do it for World War II, which is what he uh, agreed to do, you because know, he, w- he wanted to join the military, but Roosevelt said that his services would be better utilized, encouraging the troops. So he signed on to do that, but at the end of World War II, he could have stopped, <laughs> and he kept going. Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, just kept going. His last military show was when he was 87 years old, 87. And he's crawling in and out of helicopters. He's going to as close to the front line as he can. He's ducking the same incoming that they are. Like you said, he had close calls. Uh, Back in World War II, he even had a plane crash, him and the troop. So he he experienced the danger of war and uh, kept doing it. He was committed. He was no fan of war But he was committed. If the GIs were there, he was going to be there all the way up in his 80s. And just incredible when he could have retired on a very nice retirement and cruising down to Rio. (laughs) He wanted wanted to be with, yeah, he wanted to be with the troops. And that was, I mean, talk about a man of commitment and a man that just loved those GIs and uh, had their backs both in war and in peace, whatever they needed, he uh, was there for them.
1: And the irony we mentioned in one of our resets that this coming May 6 marks the 80th anniversary of his very first military show, which he gave at uh, March Field in Riverside, California. The irony, Martha, I understand he was he was reluctant about performing in front of a military audience at first.
0: Right. He didn't know, uh, you know, what it was going to be like. America wasn't in the war yet, and uh, so he didn't, he didn't understand. And uh, once he got out there and he heard that audience, the laughter and the cheers, and they were so hungry for the entertainment and hope that it they, they became his favorite audience. He loved it as, it, as any comic would. You walk out and, and uh, you have this great audience. So they became his favorite audience. But that relationship, it may have started out that he loved their laughter and he loved their applause, but over the years, that deepened to something so beyond that that uh, they just stole his heart and and kept it <laughs> for 50 years of, of him doing it. Uh, they had his heart.
1: And this is where and I, I keep going to scrapbook because mm-hmm. besides sharing so many of these letters – You and Linda share a lot of Hope's personal photographs during this time, and there are many photographs of Bob Hope bedside with a soldier in traction or (laughs) recovering from their wounds. And he's doing, even if he's just sitting there silently, he's doing his best to give some comfort to them.
0: Oh, absolutely. And And it was all positive. He was very committed to bringing laughter, and, and uh, he would talk with the troop about, you know, don't break down in front of the soldiers, you know, just hold yourself together, and, and we're here to bring them laughs, and we're here to encourage them, and uh, and he maintained that, and letter after letter, you could see where the soldiers appreciated that. They were treated just like, you know, he would be in front of a show. He just treated them like no different. Plus, at the show, he always gave... Uh, the patients on stretchers and, and uh, receiving plasma. They had the front rows, and as did the GIs, and, and the, the uh, brass, the officers would be in the back. And he, he was uh, intentional on that. He wanted to make sure that the everyday GI and definitely the ones that had been injured um, had the front seat.
1: You mentioned earlier that Hope kept doing USO shows up until his late 80s and the genius of this—this this is this is really genius when you think about it, uh, Martha—is that the jokes change from show to show, from year to year, but the essence of his military show remained unchanged because the essence of military life has remained unchanged over eighty years. Right.
0: It, so the topics—a lot of the topics would be—you uh, know—would be the same. But um, you know, one uh, one thing that was so incredible too to. Uh, in World War II, there were no cue cards. Yes. And he would, he had his writers, and they would give him material for each, you know, base that they went to, each performance, and it was brand new jokes. And he would walk out on stage and just tell them. After he had just been given them, he, and not no paper, no cue card, he just walked out from memory and I watched him do that even uh, in, in the time I was with him, and he would do it uh, where we'd have a, a few, you know, something would happen in the news, and we'd have to write jokes about it real quick, and he'd, we'd hand it to him, he'd have this, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, brand new jokes, and he'd go out there and just tell them one after another. And after just having heard them quickly, or read them on the paper, and he'd go out and It it, it was incredible. I I think he had a photographic memory that
1: he could do that. It was pretty amazing. He, He certainly had a photographic memory when it came to funny, and he certainly had an unerring knack for what was funny. Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II collection of the many letters that Bob Hope received from our soldiers during World War II, as well as Bob Hope's responses and some of Bob Hope's personal photographs. It really is like a scrapbook from Bob Hope that you can enjoy through University Press of Mississippi as well as Amazon.com for more and Dear Bob, bobhope.org forward slash Dear Bob. More Martha Bolton is the co-author of Dear Bob along with Bob's daughter, Linda Hope. She's spending a few minutes of her day talking about working with Bob Hope, and, and I dare, her boss, Bob Hope, and I dare say her friend, Bob Hope.
0: Absolutely,
1: yeah. Martha will be back in a couple of weeks around Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk some more about Bob Hope. We'll ask her about writing for Bob Hope. We'll also talk about some of the other comedians that Martha has written for throughout her career, which include Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller. We'll play part two of our conversation with Martha Bolton later this month on TV Confidential. In the meantime, Dear Bob, Bob Hope's wartime correspondence with the GIs of World War II, available University Press of Mississippi. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll play part two of our conversation with Jay Mariardi, longtime writer and producer of The Jeffersons, when we come back on TV Confidential.
2: Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontportrealtygroup.com for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415 886 Seven four one one, or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com. Front Porch Realty Group. They'll find the solution that works best for you.
1: Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at net. talk at net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash